on a break back, a double kill for Huey, a check for Huey, oh my god, I can't believe it, a triple kill, you're gonna win the ace, Luper is down, CLG, do you believe Kobe? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Small Talk Big Brain. I'm your host, Jack Six Cooley, joined here by Vincent Nuleuzi. Hello there. General Kenobi. (laughs) All right, so uh, we got a great show for you today. Um, We're going to be talking about week two of the LCS, our reactions to that, and some winners and losers of the week. Uh, And then we're going to be going through all the changes to TFT, Valorant, and Legends of Runeterra with ranked and also the buffs and nerfs coming in the most recent patches. So pretty exciting stuff, huh? Yeah, really excited. I think this is a good week in LCS. You can kind of really see where a lot of teams are at based on what they did this week. It's really exciting. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I believe the Hotline League talked about yesterday that there's a lot of make or break weeks coming up for some teams. Um, so I'm super excited to watch the future games because that'll also start to shake out You know where these teams actually are lining up. Um, I actually would like to jump in real quick because you brought up what they said on Hotline League. I actually kind of disagree with that. Um, I think, yeah, I think they're saying there's a lot of make or break weeks because you're thinking, oh, wow, these are the teams we need to see if they're able to beat to see how good they are. Mm -hmm. But I'm still like, I'm excited for the weeks and I think it'll show where we're currently at. But I don't think it's make or break given how early it is in the split because we always see some team just lose so many front half of the split games to like trash teams and then come back second half and beat not only those teams, but teams you wouldn't expect them to be. Like, for example, last year, Golden Guardians in the last week went 3-0 and nobody thought they would beat, you know, FlyQuest and all these other teams that they went 3-0 and beat. And all these crazy scenarios had to happen, right? So we still have a long split ahead. So for me, like, you say make it or break it, I'm like, "Uh, you're not quite there yet. I think it's really important games because you're proving where you belong in the standings, but I wouldn't say it's make it or break it yet. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually listened to that and was thinking, you know, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, it's, it, for sure, it'll be interesting. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm not so sure that I fully agree with it either, uh, but I felt that it was interesting because the way that they framed it and contextualized it was that certain teams have weeks where you really want them to go 2-0 otherwise they're probably going to be super behind um going into the middle of the split but you're right it is the first half so we don't know how teams are going to shake up and change going into the second half of the split yeah i definitely i definitely agree so without further ado let's hop into these lcs standings we'll start at the tippy tippy top c9 is the only undefeated team they're at 4-0 they went 2-0 again this weekend, uh, probably as expected. And this week they beat Evil Geniuses and Golden Guardians. Uh, what, what did you think of their games? You know, Were you convinced that C9 is the team to beat still? Yeah, so last week I said that uh, EG is definitely looking like the biggest contender to C9 because they both are playing the same style. And they came in there and they looked 
not great against Cloud9. Um, this is actually one of the games that I wanted to talk in depth about out of the games this week because I felt like EG definitely could have performed better um, and also had a better draft for C9 specifically. So C9, like the way that you go about trying to beat them is by playing their style, which EG does really well, but also making sure that you're narrowing down um, who is going to be carrying the game and that you're focusing that person because Cloud9 drafts compositions around one or two carries. And if you're red side or blue side, you have the opportunity to be able to pick two champions that can counter the composition they're building. Right. Um, so picking Cassidin for <laughs> uh, <laughs> mid lane there was very risky. Um, I felt like they, and I still feel like most of the time, uh, a mid laner when you're facing Niski, you should be trying to pick someone who can clear waves faster than the champion that Niski has picked. Um, just because he's always going to be trying to roam. Or if, in this case, you're picking something like Cassidy, where it could take over a game, they're just going to focus you and always have people mid lane to kill you. And you can't do anything pre six. So you kind of shot yourself in the foot. You know C9 is going to come gank you. You almost yeah, need three people in that lane until Cassidy hits level six in order to make sure that you have that win condition. Um, definitely into draft a little. Yeah. So they kind of put all their eggs in one basket without having a comp to go around it and the support needed to help Jazuke win that lane. Um, and that's how you lose. Like you, you basically gave yourself a disadvantage because if Cassidy doesn't hit level six around the same time Niski does and isn't able to snowball, you have to wait for him to scale. And we know that C9 has one of the best closing times in uh, NALS. So you're not going to stall against this team. Yeah. Uh, you're basically you fighting do. a 4v5 at that point. And th th that was the thing that made me really sad about the game was I like the effort of them trying to do something new and risky. Um, but at the same time, this wasn't a risk you needed to take in this game. You could have taken a different risk. So Jazuke is really good on aggressive picks. But he could have, uh, what I would have liked to see is something more like a Zareth pick that could insta-clear the wave once he has enough AP. Um, and then Niski can't do anything around level 5 onward. Um, things like mm -hmm. that. And, and we don't see much Zareth in LCS, but I think that that is one of the picks that could go really well against Niski in particular. Yeah, potentially. I they definitely went for this strategy where they were like, okay, let's instead of beating C9 in the early game, let's just pick a champ that hyperscales and just try to stay in it until super late and then win then. But that doesn't really work. C9 is the best closing team in NA. Like if they if you give them this advantage, they're going to snowball it and they're going to win. It just didn't seem to make sense to me. I don't know. Going yeah. into a game, I would never say, "Oh, I can wait C9 out" because that's what they're so good at. They're so good at taking these early game leads and snowballing them into a win. And I think yeah. you saw in the Golden Guardians game, the Golden Guardians saw that EG's strategy didn't work and were like, you know what, we're going to contest early. And that also didn't work. Uh, yeah. Mainly because C9 is just so dang good. 
Mm-hmm. At, at 10 minutes, Golden Guardians was actually ahead. And then at 15, they were even. And then very quickly, they were behind 5K gold and they were getting stomped. You know, they only got three yeah. towers. But I think, honestly, that looked so far the split, probably the best performance against C9, taking only three towers and basically no objectives. So, like one dragon, you know? So, yeah, I think it just goes to show how C9 is just another level of play right now. I don't think anyone can really stand up to them. Yeah, At least I don't see anyone right now being able to. Uh, do you think anyone could probably touch them right now? Um in their current state, I definitely see like so the weakness of C9, like the extent of the weakness of C9 is um that they play this early game style and they're only as good as their mechanics and who their carry is gonna be. So to the extent that you're able to properly focus their carry and you're able to keep Niski in lane where he's not able to support the rest of his team, I think that you actually have a shot at beating him. And I think that the top half teams do have that chance. But for whatever reason, whether it's comfort on the champions that can counter their compositions, um, or it's the type of style that the team has adopted, both of those aren't clicking in a way that would enable them to beat C9. Teams aren't really trying to go early game good skirmishers that can also carry. (laughs) Um, And because of that, they're not set up well enough to be able to beat them. They're giving themselves like a 20% chance once the game even starts rather than a 50% chance. Um, exactly. Or even a forty. Yourself I mean, behind. I think most teams would take a forty percent chance against Cloud Nine, but most teams aren't doing that. Um, I think every team would take a forty percent chance against Cloud Nine. Right. Every team in NA. Right. I think the only other team that's had a good showing against them was FlyQuest. They had a pretty similar start to GG, except less towers. Um, they were up by like three K gold at ten minutes, um, but then they also fell around twenty minutes. Um, yeah. So. Both FlyQuest and GG had good early games. So that's that's the big difference between Cloud9 and every other team, is they know how to finish games. Um, and they have experience finishing games from all of Spring Split during the early game. All these teams who are trying to rush early um, and play this new style, they don't know how to close yet. So if these teams keep working at it and don't get frustrated with the losses that they've had to pretty much the best team at closing in the in the LCS, they could also become pretty dang good at that style. Um, I'm right. not saying that it'll be good enough to beat C9, but I'm saying that it's pretty good. And that's a style that we've seen is able to beat LPL, LCK, um, even LEC teams, because that's what their best teams are adopting right now. Right. Um, and I think a big part of it for me that I see from Cloud9 is they have this confidence, right? They, even mm-hmm. if when they lose a fight, like right at Dragon, they respawn and they all run right there again. They're like, ah, oh, well, we'll win the next one, you know? Like, who cares? Whereas I think a lot of these other teams, right, as soon as they lose a fight, they're like, oh, we don't win right now. And they never take that fight again until they've hit some more power spikes. And I think... E- it's very impressive how they're able to just reset mental and they're like, oh, geez, we just lost a fight to these guys and now they have more gold because they just won the fight. They're like, 
well, we better win the next one then. And then just run right, right, right back to it and contest another objective. Mm -hmm. And Blabber does such a good job. And I'm not a great jungler, so I can't really explain it. But he does such a good job of finding a way to take every single objective. Like in these games, most people like trade objectives. They're like, okay, we'll take Rift Herald, they'll take Dragon. Blabber's like, okay, I'm going to take Rift Herald, then Dragon, then Rift Herald, then Dragon. And also I'm going to have more farm than the enemy jungler. And also, and it's like, oh my goodness, like this guy's all over the map. I, I swear he's like in practice tool, pressing, you know, shift S and just teleporting from place to place and farming. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, no, I agree. His his map awareness and positioning is really strong. Um, and him knowing where to be at the right time. So a lot of jungling, the way that I've had it explained to me, is it's all almost math and like calculating what's the most valuable thing for me to be doing right now. Because the most valuable thing for laners to be doing is either farming, basing and getting items, or fighting. Um, For a jungler, you have so many more options. It's like, all right, which camp should I be doing right now? Um, Where is the other jungler on the team? Uh, Which lane could I gank? Because that's probably the most gold efficient thing for me to do. What objective is coming up? Um, that I need to be prepped for. And that's another thing, is that the team is also rallied around getting objectives. So they have a common goal in mind of how they see the game going. And I think that's something that only really the top teams have right now. Um, not every team, and and actually even some of the top teams don't have that. Like right now, hate to see it but it's also interesting clg is right now tied for second but they definitely don't have a full team cohesion on hey this is the objective we have to do in order to get to this thing and then if we follow this line of thinking we'll eventually win the game um and some teams just don't have that c9 definitely does they're definitely rallied around okay like Dragon spawning in one minute, I'm going to start getting prepped, I'm going to base right now, we're going to be set up 30 seconds beforehand, and everything's going to go great, because Blabber's already done all the jungle setup. And they have this inherent trust, but also understanding of where they need to go next. And you don't have that from a lot of teams. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And let's get into those other teams that don't quite have it. There are four teams tied in second place at 3-1. and Uh, We'll just quickly go over all the teams, and then we'll get into them specifically. So there's FlyQuest, Evil Geniuses, CLG, and Team Liquid. Let's start with FlyQuest, who went 2-0 this week, and they beat TSM and Dignitas. So, you know, you being the resident TSM fanboy, why don't, why don't you tell us, you know, what, what happened there? Oh, it was all draft. <laughs> <laughs> all draft, um, TSM bad draft. No, actually, I kind of liked TSM draft in this game. Um, the problem really lied to me with when you're picking tank fiddlesticks you need multiple carries and in the fly quest game they didn't really have multiple carries um in the immortals game they did which was one of the reasons why they had things to fall back on and i think tank fiddle is actually really good um i think that the way that tsm's treating it is it's like op i don't know that it's op or not but I think that it's really good and that it's not really counterable by many um, lanes, lane opponents. So if you're picking it, one of the last picks on 
blue side and you've already seen the enemy composition, they're not going to throw something in there that tries to counter your fiddlesticks that's going to go against the comp. Otherwise, you've just forced one member of the team to add less value to the team. Um, so it's actually a really strong pick towards the later um, half of draft. Um, so yeah, m my main thought about it is that the actual draft that TSM is putting together is pretty good um, based off what they want to play. The only issue with this game is they hard funneled all of their carry potential into double lift rather than being able to spread it. Um, was this the so, this was the double lift Syndra game, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So they had a lot of magic that. damage, and I believe Spico is also on Lee Sin. Um, which he's actually really good at. I'm not complaining about that. But if you're going to play Syndra with a tank fiddle, um, and I believe it was a Volibear top, um, you need more of a scaling AD jungler. I, I almost think you need to play Graves or Olaf here um, that can continue the snowball along with Lee Sin. Because Lee Sin falls off even if you're snowballing. Mm -hmm. You need someone who continues if you're snowballing. Because um, that's the whole point of the comp is to snowball. So the, yeah. that was probably the only thing that I'd change. I'd figure out a different carry, or or um, Broken Blade could have been on a carry, and you keep Lee Sin. Because um, what you can do there is you have almost a pseudo G two composition, um, where you've got a jungler who's going to roam around and just keep fucking ganking, um, and then you have all of these lanes set up to be able to carry with a tank fiddle as your primary engage tool, which is like easy engage because it's AOE fear. Um, right, that that all is insane. So uh, I think that it was actually pretty safe in this draft for Broken Blade to play a carry instead of Folly. But um, yeah, uh, I mean, I honestly there is kind not of really much to complain about. TSM kind of got uh, kind of got shafted, but it was actually a really close game. So I'm not too discouraged. Um, we still have two new guys on the team, and they had a new guy come up in Mash who looked amazing this week like i don't know why this kid hasn't been playing before i saw don't mash me um i think he was playing pro a long time ago too um but we haven't seen him in a while and he's doing great in his lcs debut um so i'm proud of the dude yeah he looks really good and he he's na right yeah he yeah he's yeah, na he's an na adc that's exactly where okay tactical mash there's been these good naad's around right yeah I'm, I'm glad they're finally getting some time he looked really really good this week and i and i hope he continues to look good in future weeks um that'd be really good for them because i personally think wild turtle has his shortcomings and has kind of a peak uh just to touch on tsm i don't like the syndra pick just because we've seen double lift fail at mages before <laughs> and as soon as you show right that he can't play a mage, teams aren't worried about it anymore, right? Like no one was worried about his Vlad bot after he played Vlad bot, and they saw how terrible it was. Yeah, you know, he, he wasn't actually necessarily terrible on Syndra, but mm -hmm. nobody's afraid of his Syndra bot anymore. You know, what I'm saying if right. they like if TSM tries to flex it from now on, people are going to be like, uh, I doubt it, and probably not really have to, you know worry about it being a flex pick at this point um, right and the thing with tsm is I, I like these strategies they come up with but every time they do it it seems like 
like they kind of force the strategies sometimes like Malkai mm-hmm. mid last split was kind of a force um, and the fiddle mid worked once this week and then they felt the need to try to force it again you know so I just feel like you know sometimes you can prepare for something and then have you know come draft time it not be the perfect draft and just not do it right just play standard mm-hmm. comp um but you know we'll, we'll see where they end up in terms of fly quest i was really impressed by mash um but they outside of tsm they played dignitas who is really bad so yeah i kind of want to see what he does next week um against teams that aren't Dignitas or Immortals. I was impressed in the TSM game. Mm-hmm. And sure, he was like 12-1 and 11 against Dignitas. So like he absolutely stomped them. But it is Dignitas. So I want to see how he plays against, you know, like other really good 80s. Like I want to see, you know, when they play EG, how he does against Bang. You know, when they play C9, he's obviously going to lose. But I want to see how, you know, it'll be a while to the next C9 game. But I just want to see against more of the you know, three and one teams, how, how he can perform. I, I'm really excited to see those. So right. with that, let's move on to EG, uh, who is went one and one this week. They're also three and one tied in second. They lost to C9 in a pretty right. big stomp, but they won against Team Liquid. And Evil Geniuses is one of my winners of the week. Um, okay. It sounds weird to say, given that they went one and one uh, and they got stomped but in their loss. But to be honest, they lost to C9. I don't think anyone was expecting them to beat C9. Uh, at least I wasn't. So mm-hmm. regardless of fashion, a loss is a loss, right? So they lost to C9. They can learn from that, whatever. For me, the huge win was Team Liquid. Going into this week, my top three teams, the, the teams that I think most people thought were the best teams in the league, were C9, Evil Geniuses, and Team Liquid. Mm-hmm. And by just putting a performance on and beating down Team Liquid, I feel like they've cemented that number two. Like standing wise they're tied second but they've cemented that hey these other teams that are up here tied with us in two are not as good as us right we lost to c9 everyone else we're going to put the beat down on and that's impressive to me um so i i really liked that win i think it just really shows and honestly i've been watching kumo looks so much better this but i don't know if huni's teaching him some stuff Mm -hmm. or He's just putting the work in the offseason himself, right? I don't want to take that credit away from him and give it to Huni. Um, he looks, whatever he's done, he looks so much better right now. And I think that's a really bad sign for Huni coming in later in the split, right? If Kumo's playing this good, there's no reason to take him out and put Huni in. And right. I think they're, they're, it's a big win for them to, to take down another team uh, in this sort of fashion that's up there, right? Because they really need to, We I want to see someone this year come out as a major second place rather than just a mosh pit of c9 first anyone else second i want to see someone try to right going into worlds i want three strong teams that are showing hey we're way better than the rest of the league and i think you know this big win over team liquid really helps cement that for evil geniuses so i'm really excited for them they're one of my winners this week yeah i'm excited for them too i definitely feel like uh the other team that's kind of up there right now is FlyQuest, and I'm excited for the e, uh, the FlyQuest TL game as well as the FlyQuest EG game. I think EG is going to beat FlyQuest, um, but I do think that FlyQuest could have an argument for that third spot behind where TL is supposed to be. Um, and I think as the split evolves and we see where the teams are shaken up to, um, I think we could see... T- 
TSM in the top five because right now they're sixth. I think right. I could easily see them top five because mm-hmm. I don't see any of the teams below them better than them. And I also don't think that CLG is better than them, which I think is a good transition to us talking about CLG because they had a 2 week this week too. They um, did. They beat GG and Dig. I think the only notable win there is GG. But for CLG right. to me, I think that some people are saying they've had a quote-unquote cupcake schedule, um, meaning that they've only played pretty bad teams. I think they've played uh, GG, Dig, Immortals, and um, what was it, 100T? Yeah, but FlyQuest has had a cupcake schedule. They've also played Dignitas in Immortals, and the only win they've had against a decent team is TSM, who's in the middle right now. So for me, right... If you're going to say, oh, CLG just has an easy schedule, say that about FlyQuest, right? Don't don't carry last blitz bias in. If they're getting the wins, they're getting the wins, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's more about the fashion of getting wins, though. Um, CLG games take a decent amount of time. I don't think that they're going to be able to contest against teams in the upper bracket. Uh, FlyQuest wins are a little bit more consistent and a little bit earlier. Um, and they have less to do with I'm just going to pick a champ that I'm comfortable on. And it to me, CLG seems like a team that has a few comfort picks that they'll play and cycle through. And they're going to consistently beat bottom half teams with that. But I don't see them able to beat top half. FlyQuest beating, like, I don't see CLG beating TSM. But FlyQuest beat TSM is, is right. kind of the difference there for me. Gotcha. Um. And I, I can see FlyQuest at least top four, but I definitely don't see CLG top four. Um, right. And that's well, that that could be partially bias. You know, GG was looking to be a great team, and they also lost to CLG. And I'm not saying that that makes GG a bad team. GG is also still good, but that is something to at least note about CLG is that they did win that game. Um, it was pretty close and i think most of the clg games have been pretty close they haven't really been um too one-sided but right it's interesting i i I would say this is the one thing that i did not expect is clg in second place after week two yeah clg 3-1 i wouldn't expect that either and clg is actually my uh, uh another one of my big winners for this week um clg just i'm just impressed because last split they were losing to terrible teams like team liquid was like literally in team games they looked so bad and clg couldn't you know get the win clg had what like three wins total last mm-hmm. split or maybe like four and they've already got three this split and i know two of them were against dignitas and immortals but hey that at least means they're not ninth or tenth which is where they were last split so that's an improvement right. to me um they beat Golden Guardians, who's also not looking so great right now. So I get that they've like beat all the teams below them on the table, mm-hmm. but that's how, kind of how you get to that middle of the pack, right? You you beat all the bad teams, and then you're fifth or sixth. Which right. going into playoffs, right? This split, you know, saying you made playoffs is not a great thing because eight out of ten teams make playoffs, right? It's getting that top six that you're not single elimination, and at this rate. Right, if they keep picking up wins against those three teams, right? If they just beat hundred thieves as well, they're going to be top six, and then they'll get that you know best of five. So for me, that it, I'm just really proud of. I think a lot of teams have actually gotten better this split, mm-hmm. and 
they didn't change anything. They just said, hey, you know what? We're going to try to run it back. We can do better than this. We are better than this. And a lot of people made fun of them for that. And they're coming out the gate and they're saying, you know what? Screw you guys, right? You, you can think we suck. We can play. We can play League of Legends, right? It may not be pretty, but it's good enough to beat a lot of these other teams, right? They, I think they play well as a team. They're, they're decent team fighters. And they're all like, no one's losing their lanes super hard. I worry about Wiggly a lot in the jungle, but they play Golden Guardians, who has, right, potentially one of the best junglers in the league closer, right? Right. And he held his own, right? And they won the game. So, and Ruin looked really good in the top lane on that Volibear. Um, so for me, it's, you know, even if it's some softer teams that they beat this week, you know, and they might not have the rigorous schedule that, are, that other teams do, picking up these wins is is great, right? If I saw this out of, you know, FlyQuest, I may, be, may not be as impressed because I expect FlyQuest to beat these teams. But CLG wasn't there last split, and I'm excited to see them there because that's another team we can put in the mix this split. I want to see as many good teams get in the mix to make Worlds you know, so that we can get the best representatives out of NA. So I'm really, I'm really impressed. Right. And I, I agree. I also definitely want the best representation out of NA. And if you just look at the stats for CLG, like they've far and above improved where they were at. Um, like all of their players are doing significantly better than last split. So I'm not saying there wasn't any improvement. And since there has been improvement, that definitely puts them above Immortals, who definitely look like they took a step backwards. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely will give them the credit that they have. I didn't say that they had a cupcake schedule, but I did say that some people have said they've had a cupcake schedule thus far. Um, ah, I got you. I didn't say. I just heard someone say. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, the, okay. That is what okay. I said. Some people have been saying they've had a cupcake schedule, and this week they played GG and Dig. I thought GG and Dig would both be pretty solid teams against C9 or CLG. Um, not C9, definitely not. Um, <laughs> and no one's a solid team against C9. Um, and they came out and they won both games. So they definitely deserve credit for that. Yeah, um, I was just not expecting them to be in second. Yeah, I uh, no, no one expected it. The other team that's in second that um, technically I also didn't expect is TL. Um, TL had their win against 100T this week, and their loss to EG. Um, and they're looking kind of where I expected them to be last split, <laughs> um, <laughs> around the middle of last split, which is top half. Um, but like you were saying, EG's kind of firmly cemented themselves as second, and my thought process is that I think FlyQuest is also better than TL right now. So they're probably fourth, in my opinion, mm -hmm. um, which is also where I had them in power rankings. Um, right. I, I, I don't really have a lot more to say about it. <laughs> yeah, well, let me say, you know, I am a big, big math guy. So let me apply the transitive property here. Right? Okay. The reason I had them really high last week was because I saw their good win against TSM, who I look at TSM roster, and I'm like, yeah, that's a great team. And then I saw them with a comeback win over Golden Guardians, who went 1-1 one one last week, but looked really impressive. And I'm like, wow, great win. This team can win from behind. They can win from ahead. They look great. But then this week, you know, that win against Golden Guardians, 
the shaky win against Golden Guardians doesn't look impressive for coming back when Golden Guardians doesn't look good against some other medium competition in CLG and, right. you know, gets stomped on by C9. So that, lo- that win means less now to me. And also, right, they lose to EG, you know, one of the other top teams and kind of get pretty stomped. Um, and they did beat 100 Thieves, but 100 Thieves kind of looks more bottom of the table too. So mm-hmm. the, the, the strength of wins that I thought last week was a great strength of wins. Now, they haven't beaten any of the teams that are over 500. Mm-hmm. They haven't beaten any top half teams. Um, so, you know, th- that's why, for me, I would agree that they're more down to, like, at like fourth. You know, if you had to rank these teams that are tied at second, I would rank them more at fourth as well. You know, and I know it doesn't always work to p- apply the transitive property, but hey, look, we've only got four games in the books. <laughs> I right. can't tell you what's going to happen next week. I can only make predictions based off what I've seen. So I'm going to apply this transitive property. And yes, it may lead me in circles, and it will probably be wrong. But looking at that, that's, that's what I see, right? You beat this team, and they can't beat anyone. So maybe, really, it's not that big of a win. Right. True, true. Um, so let, and that's let's, kind of where we're at on a week-to-week basis. Right. Um, it's, it's hard early to make these guesses about what these me- wins mean or not because you don't mm-hmm. know a lot about the other team as well. So it, it's like this big web. It looks like one of those, you know, solving a murder and there's like a, a pegboard and like there's all sorts of strings everywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah, so right. Kind You're of trying, trying to figure out what's going on and connect the dots without uh, having all the information, and you also don't know what's going to change week to week in terms of the meta and also how the team is going to change too. Um, so there's a right. lot of factors that go into it. Like if we also want to talk about um, the potential that teams have in order to climb standings, like that's a whole nother conversation that we could get into. Um, but that's just the latent talent that some teams have that doesn't seem to be fully expressed in how well they're playing. And mm-hmm. I think you can actually see that in TL. Um, I think that they should definitely be contending with C9 with the players that they have, even though they have Tactical in. But Tactical has been looking really good. Um, and the rest of their team hasn't changed from being a world's caliber team. Um, TSM has a lot of potential. That's the one on there that I would say, EG, and they're actually expressing it, and C9, who are also actually expressing it. So I think the way that the standings are panning out is like very much in line with the amount of potential that you're getting out of your talent. And I think a lot of that has to come through coaching, and a lot of that comes through motivation of the players. Um, and a lot of that is just on any given Sunday, right? How well are right. you going to play? How ready are you for the match? Um, and sometimes you're not, and sometimes you are. Um, so there's a lot of factors that go into it. Right. So speaking of potential in TSM, let, let's get into TSM. They're, yeah. they're alone in six. They're the only two and two 500 team. Yep. They're actually one of my losers of the week, despite going one and one, beating Immortals and losing to FlyQuest. And the reason that is, is for me, is bias. Um, bias on knowing who these players are, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that they have Broken Blade, Bjergsen, Doublelift, Biofrost, right? This, I mean, to me, this is kind of like um, that old TSM who, who was so, so good 
you know, mm-hmm. with a couple people swapped out, I think Broken Blade is probably a little bit better than Hanser, and then Spica's obviously worse than than Sven Skaren, I would say, but he's looked, Spica's looked better. And so for me, when I see this team, I expect a lot. So to see them lose to FlyQuest is hard because yeah. I expect them to be better. Right? Just looking at the names alone, you know, and not considering that Doublelift was bad last split or maybe, you know, TSM Jungler, you know, not working out all the time. Just the names on this roster, I would rank them like second based on right names. They've got players, Doublelift and Bjergsen alone. I mean, how many LCS titles have they won, right? It's always one or the other winning it, it seems. Right. And so to see this team be middle of the pack is just kind of sad for me. And I think this is what we've seen out of TSM the past couple of years. I don't think in the past couple of years they've had a single roster that couldn't make Worlds because it's not good enough, right? Right. There's a lot of teams that can't make it far in playoffs and can't make it to Worlds because, you know, the players they just have aren't just, just aren't good enough to make it. I don't think they've had teams that just couldn't make it because they're not good enough. I think they've just had issues working together as a team and actually turning that player strength uh into the results they want to see you know fulfilling that potential and right you know it kind of fits this narrative for me to see this team just do medium right oh well you know tsm has all these great players but they're just going to be middle of the pack because they can't figure it out and to be honest i don't know what the issue is right i watch their games and i'm like uh you know you can point to different things in each game that's a problem but I feel like even with a bad draft, Bjergsen and Doublelift are good enough to like carry a team. You know, these mm-hmm. teams, every team has bad drafts sometimes, and you know it's whether the players can still carry or not. And I'm not really seeing that. I don't know what the problem is, but I feel like it's behind, like behind the screen. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. It's behind the curtains. We're not seeing what the issue is. They have the issues back there. They have to figure them out. And when they come out every week. You know, everyone's excited because they're like, oh, it's look at these players. You know, did they figure it out yet? Did they figure it out yet? And, mm-hmm. and it, it keeps, they keep getting these, you know, checks and it keeps being like, eh, not quite. Oh, maybe they did, but not quite. And so for me, I just want to one week have like see them come out and just, you know, perform, right? They figured out that issue. And you know what? If it takes them the first half of the split to figure out that issue, that's fine. This team is good enough that they could go you know, like two and seven, the first half. And if they figure it out after two and seven, they could make playoffs and, 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 you know, make a run during playoffs. Right. Um, they're that good. They have that talent. So for me, you know, I'm sad to see them in the middle of the table, but I'm not, you know, super disappointed because if they need to lose now to figure out what's wrong and get that under control, that's okay. They can afford that. It's early on. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. What do you, what do you think about your, your team, your squad? So, um, I'm kind of going to reiterate a point about that I said last week about TSM this week. So um, when I talked about TSM last week, I said that they're looking a little bit middle of the pack, but in the upper tier. Um, I think right now that placement would be fifth, um, and they're currently sixth, so they're around where I'm expecting. And... This is probably the better case scenario besides going 2-0 uh, because TSM 
I would have been more worried if TSM had lost to Immortals and then beat FlyQuest. Um, just like last week, I would have been more concerned if they lost to Dignitas and then beat TL. Um, because the TSM of the past that I've known is very inconsistent with who they beat. Um, and right now, they're actually consistently doing very well against bottom teams. Um, I think that we'll see a little bit more consistency if we see them play things like 100T, CLG, and GG, and also win in similar fashions about 30 minutes or less games that they're absolutely dominating. Um, if they can do that, that solidifies them in top five for me. And it could even solidify them in top four because some of these upper teams besides Cloud9 and EG maybe, so TL and FlyQuest, I'm not 100% confident that they'll be consistent enough uh, to right. beat lower, lower teams. I think that's the only thing that TSM has going for them, this split, as opposed to the past three years. Um, mm -hmm. They're actually performing consistently, which isn't something that I've been able to say in a long time. Um, I didn't say, I, I don't want to say that I expected a FlyQuest loss. I definitely didn't. FlyQuest is actually one of my winners of this week. Um, mm -hmm. I think that they did a really good job in both of their games. Um, they showcased how well they can do against lower tier teams, against Dignitas. And they showcased a pretty solid win over TSM. It was about a 35-minute game. Um, so a little bit on the longer side in terms of how quickly games are going right now, or at least good teams are closing. Um, so it showed that there was a pretty good fight. It was a pretty close game for most of it. Um, I'd say like the gold and a lot of the game was in TSM's favor early, which is something that they're carrying over from last split, but they kind of threw it away in the mid game. Um, but I think that had a little bit more to do with the comp and not really having more than one carry and not having a comp that was based around just having one carry um, mm -hmm. than anything else. So what I've been saying beforehand, um, like when we were getting into the show about the draft, you definitely need one more carry on the team rather right. than pretty much two tanks, a jungler who's going to get people ahead and then fall off and then double lift on a mage um i definitely wanted to see broken blade on a different carry they already had nautilus and um fiddlesticks who are going to be your tanks who are also going to dish out a, a ton of cc like you don't realize that this is this is like having a sejuani in the jungle but now you have an aoe stun like that with bjergsen's uh fiddlesticks ulti and you're pairing that with a nautilus so like that's more than enough cc and tank that you need you don't need any more. I think that's the one pitfall that's, um, that TSM is falling into is sometimes they think really traditionally about the game. Mm -hmm. And they've done this draft-wise for a long time where it's like, okay, top lane is more of a tank bruiser meta. Um, and unless we're specifically building a comp around blo Broken Blade, Broken Blade will always be playing a tank or bruiser because we need it. But in this right. comp, you don't need it. So I think that if they can get over some of the uh, traditional thoughts that they have, I think that they could become a much better and flexible team because they have all the people who could carry on this team. Um, yeah, I agree. So uh, they definitely have potential. They just got to get over some of their uh, mental blocks. And when they can get through those, I see this team like, this team could contend with probably 
the top two teams. Uh, they could contend with EG. They could contend with Fly and TL pretty, pretty easily. And we've seen them have the ability to beat C9. Um, and a lot of the first win was on the back of actually Dardock carrying the early game. But then it was actually uh, Bjergsen and Broken Blade finishing it. And in this case, they'd also have double lift. Um, so I'm actually more confident that TSM, this iteration of TSM, has a higher chance of beating C9 if they can get over these mental blocks. Yeah, I think that's a, the nice thing about them. Like the exciting thing is you watch every week. They could win any and all of those games that they play. There isn't a team here that they couldn't, you know, contest with. I think it, people think it's unlikely they could contest with C9, but right, they were the only people to beat C9 in um, regular season, uh, regular season last split, right? So. If anyone's going to do it again, it could be them. So I think that's the exciting thing about TSM. You just, you only see it flat. Like, you know, you only see it against certain teams and you want them to beat all the teams, right? Mm-hmm. We, we kind of want another NA impressive representative at Worlds. Uh, yeah. So I think everyone's hoping TSM can step up and do that. Yeah, so right let's now get looking to, like EG, but we'll see. Yeah, um, looking yeah. like EG could be one of them. And for me, just a real quick note, you know, uh, is my, my opinion is this. FlyQuest right now looks like how normally the second and third seeds of NA look like at Worlds. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, it's not that I don't like FlyQuest. I just want to see teams get above them. I want to see teams get, you know, beat them and get on top of them in the standings. Because if I see a team on top of them in the standings, because they're what I think NA normally looks like at Worlds, then I'll have more confidence about the NA teams at Worlds. Um, not saying I would hate FlyQuest to be at Worlds for, for NA, but that's they seem like what we usually bring to Worlds. And so any team that right. can get above that and do better, for me, it makes me confident about NA you know, performing a little bit better at Worlds. Right, I agree. I think, I think EG and C9 are something special, um, at least gearing up for Worlds. I know that it's right. a little bit early, um, but they're at least something different that NA hasn't really sent before. Um, so if EG can keep this up and C9 still looking strong, which I'm pretty confident in both of those things, um, we at least have a pretty good two. one and two, um, yeah. go, one two punch going into Worlds. I want I want to see a good three as well. Yes, um, I agree. So let's let's skip down to the bottom of the table. We won't spend too long on these teams since they're, you know, just more towards the bottom. We have two one and three teams. We have a hundred these and Golden Guardians. Yep. Uh, we'll start with 100 Thieves real quick. 100 Thieves went one and one this week, so they got their first one of the split. Mm-hmm. They lost to Team Liquid, and they beat Immortals. So, you know, kind of beat up on an 0-4 team to get their first win. The problem for me kind of looks like that someday can't carry. <laughs> can't carry these guys. Um, unfortunately, like it seems like Cody Sun can't get up and running. He's, I know he's a really good AD. He's made Worlds like three times in a row with like three different teams, I think is the number. Um, he's right. a good ADC. You, you can't deny that. And someday's a great top laner, but it kind of goes downhill from there. I like Medios as a jungler. I think he's really smart about the game. But I think mechanically he, he, he kind of struggles compared to some other people, and he, he can't get this team on the same page. I think Ryoma is a big liability in mid lane. And I think, you know, knowing that Cody Sun's such a good, you know, ADC, 
I feel like it it has to be stunt right in the bottom mm-hmm. lane holding him back. You know, it, it sounds like kind of mean to blame it on stunt, right? But this is a player that we've seen perform before, and now he can't perform. So you right. know, it's that support's job to get enable him, right, and peel for him, and it's not happening. And someday is winning top lane matchups, but he's not. At least right now, he's not carrying like he was last split for them. And I think they're really struggling. Uh, I think they have one of the weakest mid-jungles in the league right now. And so I think, you know, this top lane island that he's on, he he can't really get off and get a carry. And unless they're playing a team like Immortals, where the other members of the team can, you know, win their lanes, they just seem to struggle everywhere but but top lane. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say... So the only shining star that I have for 100 Thieves is that they've played the number one and two teams. They played C9 and EG in the first week, and then they just played TL, who were also considering top four, sure. and then they beat Immortals. Um, so this team does have at least potential to climb. Um, I think that they're kind of... Like, you could almost flip 100T and CLG like in the standings right now, based off of if if they have they the, the switch schedules, you're saying, yeah, because they're gonna okay. flip they're gonna flip schedules, right? right? So they almost are counterbalancing each other right now with um, where they're at. I think right. that actually, what's interesting is that I've actually seen significantly better play out of Rayoma this split than as compared to last split. He's actually playing an aggressive Oriana which is weird because most people in NA don't do that. Like mm-hmm. Power of Evil is pretty much the only other guy who I think plays an aggressive Oriana. Maybe even uh, Jizuke, right? Um, but like... Well, Jizuke just takes a more aggressive chance. that can do that. And I disagree about Someday. I think that you're playing against probably the top teams with the best top laners, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. except for maybe EG. I, I think that it's it's... Uh, it's well, it's kind of really weird they play. couldn't use someday to like funnel him uh, into beating EG because Kumo's probably their weakest point, but Kumo's mm-hmm. also improved, like we said. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I disagree that they're looking bad. I I think that a lot of their standing is because they've played pretty much the top four teams. Um, and they beat Immortals in a, almost a thirty-minute game. Um, and that that's like my cutoff, right? If you're if you're winning in 30 minutes or less, like you're doing something right because that means that you started off. You might not have started off winning, but you were able to snowball a certain event into victory, and that's really hard for a team to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I have to give them credit for that. I have to give them credit that Ryoma looks better this split as compared to last split. Um, sure, there's been a little bit more shakiness in Medios, I think, and I definitely think you're right that their mid jungle isn't that great just because of how it's set up. I think Medios is a lot more of a strategic guy and Ryoma is kind of all over the board. He can play aggressive and he can play passive, but he doesn't do either one in a top three sort of fashion. Um, and you've got Someday, who is clearly a better person to be ganking for and communicating with because he gets his own advantages. Like even in the loss they had to TL, he had two solo kills top lane. Like th- this guy is still a monster. Um, so I think we're going to see a little bit more someday carry out of the next few games they have with middle of the pack to lower tier teams, um, at least as they're observed right now. Um, and then we'll see how 100T shakes up. 
Right, right. So it's, there's Golden Guardians is also one in three. Uh, they went yeah. 0-2 this week against CLG <laughs> and Cloud9. And as a Golden Guardians fan, you know, I, they were one of my biggest losers of the week, and I think you had them there too, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of sad to me, right? Because you, you saw last week, we saw them beat Dignitas, which, you know, before we knew Dignitas was for sure 0-4, you know, but they dominated them. And then they actually had a 4K gold lead against Team Liquid that they just weren't able to quite snowball there. And they were looking good with wave clear mids and being super aggressive. And then this week, they went for these poke comps. And, you know, these early game poke comps. And then versus CLG, they just didn't win early game with an early game poke comp. They were missing all their poke. Like, they put DeMonte on Golden Glue's best champ, right? So then, right, on Zoe. And then he missed a lot of his abilities. Uh, and they just couldn't get closer rolling. Like in the Cloud9 game, this is big on Cloud9. They actually got him to run, like, invade level one. And when Blabber invades level one and takes closer's red, closer's behind from the start, and he's Golden Guardian's carry. So it just was really, uh, really bad for them. And I think they showed that they might not be so good this this week. Yeah, uh, they were my big loser of the week. I I definitely felt like they should have been able to beat uh, CLG. I think they're way more coordinated. They have a better early game, um, but they weren't able to close. Um, and uh, the only shining star that I had was their early game against C9 was pretty good. Um, but then after that, they could not translate it into anything else. It felt like they knew what to do for the first 10 minutes and then slowly let all of their advantages slip through their fingers. Um, I would have liked to see a little bit more of a translation. At least, like, use your gold lead to acquire some pressure in a lane and take a turret, right? Um, or take a skirmish in mid lane, because most of the time Niski's trying to roam, not take a fight, right? Um, so try to do something proactive, and I didn't see that. So because of that, that was my big loser of the week. I still right. have a lot of faith in GG. Um, but for this week, they didn't perform for me. Right, and, I, and I'm actually excited. One thing I saw in the Cloud9 game is DeMonte got super aggressive and almost uh, almost got a solo kill onto Niski yeah. and forced him back. Right, Niski gets super confident playing this Galio, which is weak in lane early, and nobody kind of abuses him for that, and DeMonte punished for that. And yeah. I think that's the thing with this team, is you see the potential for them to do really well. Um, but they're just kind of not pulling it off. And I think part of it may be, you know, DeMonte was not picked up very long ago. Um, he was a late addition, late into the offseason. And so I think they need more time to figure it out. So I wouldn't count them out yet, uh, which is what I'm excited for. But, you know, losing to CLG, right? The, the loss to Cloud9 was completely expecting. Losing to CLG doesn't look good, especially when CLG is one of the teams you need to beat and pass to get top six right mm -hmm. and there's still 100 thieves there who they haven't played yet that they need to surpass as well because really the goal i think for them is to win a playoff series right they need to they need to get top six they have two chances at it and they need to prove they're not just a team that's gonna uh, wither out first round every week so or every split in playoffs so i think they need to perform a little better yeah i agree um, and then I, I don't know if there's much to say about our bottom two teams. Both Dig and Immortals are competing to uh, go 0-18, um, which makes me really sad. 
because I definitely thought pretty highly of Dig coming into this split. Um, there, for whatever reason, there's like no cohesion between the different lanes. And I thought that there'd be more with Huni um, exiting and Viper coming in, who traditionally isn't someone who, you know, talks a lot, takes a lot of resources unless he's playing Riven. Um, but uh, I don't really know what's up with these teams. Immortals has still has Pollock in, um, and he's still doing exactly what I said. He has a pretty solid early game and then loses, um, like just falls off a cliff after 10 minutes. Um, I don't know if you have much to say about these two teams or not. Yeah, I just feel really bad for the junglers on these teams. Uh, yeah. And I, I want to ask you a quick question. <clears throat> Which is worse? Acadian, who's actually looking like a really good jungler right now, um, <laughs> who has to play for this team, and no matter what he does or the advantages he gets for the team or how much he dominates the jungle matchup, his team gets clapped? Or mm -hmm. does it feel worse to be a smithy and know you're good enough to play, but be put on the bench and watch your team, who's terrible, just get destroyed? Right? Which, which, which is worse? I, think it, I, I honestly think it definitely feels worse to be Acadian because I think part of... Like, Xmithy has said he doesn't want to keep losing, and the team that they have will keep losing, even if he's on it. Because um, it's not all on potluck that they're 0-4. Like, the rest of the Immortals team just is not shaking up. Ika is looking like he's improved a little bit, um, kind of like Ryoma, um, but that's not nearly enough for the entirety of Immortals to pick up some steam. Um, Akkadian has been looking really, actually like a pretty good jungler, um, but regardless of what he's doing, it's not actually translating into wins. And I don't know if that's because the actual synergy between Acadian and Froggen isn't that good, because you can actually do put up some pretty good numbers as a player uh, without actually playing a good team game. I don't know that necessarily mm -hmm. Acadian is doing that, but that's just something to think about. Um, he's doing very well in the jungle, but the way that that's translating to the rest of the team is not connecting. Um, that yeah. and the fact that Johnson, while he's still looking like a decent carry, um, he's getting way more focused this split than last split, and he's getting absolutely smashed by literally every bot lane plus jungle. Um, so the only person they have to rely on is Froggen, and normally that's someone who you can put your eggs in one basket in to carry right. you into playoffs, and I hope that that's still true. I hope that they can still get eighth, but it's not looking that way. Um, Froggen was like a budget power of evil, almost. Like, he can solo carry your team into playoffs, but at that after that, like, you're kind of screwed. Um and in this case, it's not looking that way, which is weird to me because it should seem like they're getting more res uh, resources with Huni um, now on EG and Viper subbing in. Um, yeah, just but it's just notes. not working out. Yeah, two quick notes. One on one on the Froggen thing is, that I think the way you get Froggen to get you some default wins is just play Froggen's style. You need to yeah. let him pick his weird champs. You need to build a comp around his weird champs. Like when he was on Golden Guardians, you know. <laughs> Golden Guardians made playoffs purely by picking like Varus TK bot lane, picking like like Orn top to just tank, and then just having Orn stand in front while everyone else he would play like a Nivea, they'd wall off and everyone would just start hitting tower. And 
I think in order to enable him to do that carrying, you have to play his style. But I think this Dignitas team is trying to like do this weird best player plays and you know just playing standard, which doesn't seem to be working. The second yeah. note I wanted to make is I don't know how feasible this is, right? If Dignitas is willing to give him up because they're looking really bad right now. If I'm like CLG. You know, I know TSM already tried Acadian and it didn't work, but if I'm like CLG, right, a team that's actually looking better but just has a weak jungler in Wiggly, I might be, like, inquiring about, you know, what's a good, what, what could it cost to get Acadian, you know? Right. Like, could I get that guy? Because I, I know it's, it's potentially he's not playing for the team and that's why he looks better, but he does look good right now. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's got, jungle, like, really good jungle stats on a team that is very clearly one of the bottom teams in the league so for me right if i'm any other team that has a that is you know not quite where they want to be that doesn't have a jungler they're confident in i would be interested in him because if you you got to think if you're dignitas that if someone offers you money right you're already owing for the probably the only team you can beat is immortals you know i i would just you know pass them off for the money or for a, a younger player you think has potential if if you could do that. But I don't know if they're open for that. Maybe teams are already inquiring, right? It's not like traditional sports. You don't really know what the trade rumors are in the background. So right. we, we can't really know. But that kind of sums it up for the LCS this week. Um, mm-hmm. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about one EU team in, in specific, if you wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Um, so we write down our weekly winners um, on the podcast. We've kind of gone through ours. Um, Vincent was a little bit more in depth because I still want to see how the LCS shakes out. But actually, my week two winner in the LEC was Fnatic. And um, some of you who follow the LEC might think that I'm trolling uh, because Fnatic went 0-2 this week um, playing Soraka bot lane. And the reason I think that they're a winner is because that is what you need to do going into worlds when you're already confident that you're going to be one of the teams there you need to be trying out these strategies that might be meta and having stage time with them um i think the fanatic is so confident that they'll be top two um out of eu that they're willing to try out strategies now that they think will still be meta at worlds um Mm -hmm. and to me that's a win um I think that they've recognized that Soraka bot lane probably isn't going to be a good comp for them. <laughs> um, but they actually had very close games on both of them. Uh, so if they could refine it in scrims, um, this could actually be something that they play uh, in the future. Um, and Fnatic, I know I'm biased because Fnatic is my favorite LEC team. I've followed mm-hmm. them since season one. Um, but they actually look pretty good. And all three of their wins so far this season have been absolutely one-sided. Um, except, actually, there was one close game that they had. But that means they've also shown they can come back. Um, so, I don't know. I'm high on this team. Um, the only other team that's looking as close to as good, uh, besides G2, who's ramping back up, um, is Mad Lions, which I was not expecting at all. They're 4-1. and one. Um, and the other four and one team is rogue, but they've beaten all of the bottom four teams as their four wins. Um, so I'm not as high on them, even though I love their roster. Um, but mad lions is actually four and one. The only team they've lost to is G2. 
Um, I think they're looking really good. Um, so just watch out for those teams. Um, G2, Fnatic, and Mad Lions right now are definitely the top three, at least in terms of play style right now. Yeah, and I just wanted to shout out my favorite LEC team, you know, top of the table, Rogue. Um, yeah, they, they, they've had some soft wins, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they do when they play better teams. You know, they lost to G2 recently, but, I mean, I didn't, ex- you know, when you lose to G2, it's not that bad of a thing. So I'm excited to see if they can play for that, you know, third world seed because I think it's them, Mad Lions, and then maybe like Origin kind of battling for it. Um, seem to be maybe the teams. And then I also wanted to shout out, you know, Kabe sitting in tied for seventh slash eighth at two and three on Misfits. You know, it's definitely TSM's fault. He was bad. So I'm glad to see him, you know, tearing it up in the LEC right now. Yeah, yeah, he's actually carrying most of the games that they're winning. Um, and if even you, in the games they're losing, he's playing pretty well. So if, I'm proud if of you, him. If you couldn't, you know, hear the sarcasm in my statement, you know, I'll, I'll make it apparent now, you know. You know, definitely, you know, TSM's uh, fault that he's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's, let's move on from LCS and LEC, uh, and we'll get into, you know, some, some TFT talk. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to start, you know, the TFT segment with, look, I understand I'm, I'm a middle tier TFT player, but I'm a little bit frustrated with where the meta is currently at. In the games that I play, sometimes it feels better to contest Mystic, like either Mystic Vanguard or Mystic Protector, contest that or contest Sniper. Like I, I was contesting Sniper's... Um, uh, sni- I was going Sniper Vanguard. Um, I was contesting it against two other Sniper players. And I got third out of the three Sniper players. And I still beat anyone who wasn't playing Mystic or the other Sniper players. So, I mean, for me, anytime I try any comp that's not some form of Mystic with Frontline or Sniper with Frontline even if no one else is running it and you get uncontested and hit all the units you need, it just doesn't feel as strong. Like you'll still lose to someone who's not quite hitting the units on those other comps. So mm-hmm. for me, I just, I'm a little frustrated. I, I understand that there's variance, right? You can go Mystic Protector, you can go Mystic Vanguard, you can go Sniper Brawler, you can go Sniper, you know, um, Sniper Vanguard. Um, you could also go, you know, Brawler Blasters is okay. But outside of those ones, it just it feels like everything else is so weak, and you can't really, if you're trying to, you know, top four or top three, you can't really run the other comps successfully. Mm-hmm. It's it's so much harder. And I feel like a perfect TFT patch would, for me, would be one where everything is kind of equally viable. Um, but right now, it just seems like it's a rush to whoever can get the most Teemos or you know whoever can get the strongest Casio kind of wins so i i just it's a little bit frustrating for me because i i get bored like when i play league i don't play just i'm not a one trick i literally play different champions all the time just to learn them and you know because it's more fun for me that way mm-hmm. uh and, and it and it's not as fun for me in tft when going into the game i can either pick okay do i want to play one of these strong comps or do do, do if i want to have fun and just try something different i'm not going to do well you know yeah um 
So to me, at least the way that I see the meta, so uh, I'm a little bit higher tier, I guess. I'm more of a platinum level player, um, but still not that great. I actually watch a lot of streams too. So I've watched uh, the people who I follow most closely are Polt, who's come yeah, from StarCraft did. 2, um, Skara, who's more entertaining, but also pretty good, and then St. Vicious, who's consistently top of the ladder. Mm. Um, and Skara and Saint have pretty close play styles. They both kind of play for late game, manage econ, and that's how they win, is that they just have better econ and they scout more better. Uh, they, they scout, scout really more. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Polt is different, and he's actually the play style that I've adopted, where you just always play your strongest board, and you play for being as strong as possible. Um, so it's econ is just a resource that you can use, and it ebbs and flows. Um, and I've actually liked that more. When I got into TFT, I started off uh, silver to gold level and managed econ, and that's how I got there. And I just completely scrapped my old playstyle for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to say that the playstyle change is what got me to platinum, but the understanding of the game did. Um, right. I'd say that the the meta here is actually really good, only because the understanding that I have of the game is that the point of the game isn't to win. It's to get the highest position that you could based off of the items and the other... Um, synergies that people have already kind of nabbed up in the game sure so if a bunch of people are playing protector mystic and um snipers then that means that you have to grab whatever's next best and then see how much health you have and how much econ you have and be like okay what's the best position that i can get out of this game um and most of the time like when you're losing the best position you can get is sixth um, because most of the time there's a couple people who sandbag the early game. And if you're playing pole style, you don't sandbag the early game most of the time. So mm-hmm. you're actually pretty healthy coming out of, um, the right. entire first round. Um, and that already puts you in a good position to not get eighth. Um, and then a couple people will die before you. You just make sure you have good positioning and you can stall until, um, those two guys die before you. And then you get sixth. Like sometimes that's right. just the way you have to play. Um, but if you're going for first, like I still firmly believe that the only way that you can consistently get first place is if you get, have a spatula item and you're spatula iteming um, a brawler blaster battle cast with a jinx um, or cool. you're spatuling um, Aurelian soul and giving him protector. Um, I yeah, think those I, did, I did get a battle cast jinx. I think those are the only two compositions where you're almost guaranteed a first. Um, Besides that, I think that there's a lot of A-tier comps, and that's why um, they, it seems like um, you can only play a couple because a lot of them splash so many things. So, like, Vanguard Mystics is a thing. Protector Mystics is a thing. So Mystics get splashed regardless. Right. Um, Astro Snipers also uses Vanguard, but it can also use Brawler. Um Brawler Blasters is still good. I'd say it's probably not as good as Astro Snipers, um, but I think they're all still A-tier and all possible to win with. Um, Infiltrate, so actually one that's come up is Mech Sorcerer, um, stemming out of Mech Has Infiltrator, but Mech Sorcerer is actually really strong right now. Um, even I think it's though stronger. there's a lot of Mystic players, it's really good against Snipers, um, just like Infiltrators is. So if you're playing Mech, 
and you're the only guy playing mech, you should be guaranteed a top four just because of the fact that you have some flexibility now being able to play sorcerers or infiltrators. Um, and both of those got buffed with this new patch. So um, I think a lot of it comes down to how flexible you are and how you think about the game. Because each game, a win isn't necessarily a first place. It's A, a win is whatever the highest place you could get. Right. Um, so, because like when I go into a game, I'm not expecting, oh, well, I kind of am expecting to get first every game. That's <laughs> how I keep an open mind about, okay, what can I do to get first? Mm -hmm. um, but once it hits around stage three, I'm thinking, okay, what place am I going to get based off of the items that I've been given? And what comps can I run based off the items that I've been given? Um, and then I play what I hit. Um, so if I don't hit those champs that I need for these items, I'm like, all right, this is probably a bottom half. Let's try to get fifth. Um, and if I do hit those champs, I'm like, all right, I'm going for top four. I'm probably, you know, this isn't in a meta comp, so I'm probably going to get third. So let's shoot for third. And like, I pick a rank and I try to hit it. Um, that's kind of how I play TFT instead. Yeah. So and if I could just it, quickly, yeah, I just want to say, yeah, I, I think mech sorcerers is is stronger than mech infiltrators. I was actually playing um, Protector yeah. Mystic uh, the other day, and mech in, I ran into a mech infiltrator, and I was positioned so horribly. His entire backline instantly jumped on my carry, and it didn't even matter. Like, my karma just, like, kept the Casio alive, and the Casio just, like, killed them all, and then killed the mech, and then killed... Like, it was, so I think yeah. it, it's hard. It's a little bit harder, like to play mech infiltrator because i think that works really well against snipers but mm -hmm. i think that struggles against protector mystic um right times right it actually it 100 percent struggles against protector mystic especially if yeah. um pr the protector mystics have a zephyr which is actually a pretty common item in most uh blank mystic comps right um or even uh brawler blasters so that's like the weakness of a mech infiltrator comp is a uh a Zephyr and you Zephyr the mech because then you're instantaneously focusing the infiltrators who are doing all the damage. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's the one problem with mech infiltrator is that it's countered by an item. Um, but mech sorcerer isn't, which is why it's a little bit more flexible. Um, but you're right. It's not as good against um, like protectors and things like that. Right. Um, but you're right in Casio being strong. A three-star Casio can be like a top two. Oh my goodness. Yeah, um, so if other people are going mystics, like here's, okay, here's a tip. Just if other mm -hmm. people are running your comp and you have to run that comp because of items. So let's say you're like stage three or stage four and you have perfect cybers items, but like three other people are going cybernetics. I've been tracking that throughout the game and the way that I beat them is I level sooner than them. And I'll give up econ in order to have the chance of hitting the units first. Right. Because if I hit echo before they do, I'm already solid. Um, uh, an another way to do it is if, if you already have like a decent level to get, you know, more of the basic, um, ch like the basic champs that you need for that comp is roll down yeah. before they do. Like take all your money, roll down, and if you three-star or hit a bunch, it's going to make it so much harder for hit them to hit their things, and they might consider transitioning out. You can right. force them to either transition out or die, and then 
you know because if you get all the like if you hit the three stars first they're just like screwed right and that's that's how i'd win a lot um last season uh with tft Mm -hmm. where a lot of people were running kale because she was op but what i'd do is i'd get to um i think it was level seven before that yeah you had the highest chance of rolling kale and then i'd just roll down and i'd get a two-star kale already and i'd have the items i'd just be set at that point right Um, so if if people are contesting your comp so the other thing is making sure that you know you have the items for it. And a lot of TFT is thinking about the different item combinations and being like, what's strong with what carries and what carries go with what comps. Um, so if you can dissect that and break that down and figure out what you can build to build a strong team with good items, then you're pretty solid. Um, and the best players can do that at the beginning of the game and slam items and then build their comps from slamming items. So like, that's what I've been trying to learn how to do. So mm-hmm. I slam items early game to try to win and not lose health early and figure out what items are good to slam on which champions and then when to transition those champions to different synergies and what those right. items work for. And if you get the right item, you know, you can slam it on a champion you know you're not going to keep in your comp. That way yeah. you don't feel bad selling it to put on when you actually get the the, the champ you want. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just to give my... I want to start giving a, like, my TFT game of the week that I saw. Mm-hmm. And this week I actually have it. Let me say my honorable mention first. I had a game. It was I was playing a normal to, to warm up. And in this normal, it was Little Legends. Uh, and nobody likes Little Legends. And to <laughs> prove that point, one of the players went in chat and said... I hate little legends. And then someone else said me too. And then someone else said me too. And then a fourth person chimed in, let's all just leave. So in the end, it was a three person TFT match because five of eight players instantly left when they saw that it was little legends as convinced by uh, this, this player in my game. And it was so funny. So I think that just shows that I think little legends needs to be taken out of rotation because it's not necessarily fun. Um, but my actual TFT match of the week is a match in which the the person who won went Mystic Vanguard and had very quickly on had four three star vanguards. Uh, he had three oh star God. Poppy, three star Leona, three star Nautilus, and three star Jace. And <laughs> there were some other very strong players in that game. In fact, I had brawlers blasters and i had battle cast jinx and perfect cogma items and it did not matter because they they, they rushed the two-star soraka as soon as they they got the enough levels and yeah. oh my goodness they took no damage they didn't even need a soraka those three like vanguards were just it was so funny i i hit that i, I ended up getting fifth despite having a really good comp because i kept hitting the three-star Vanguard guy, and he had mm-hmm. three stars so fast. And it was so funny watching the super late game because someone had snipers, uh, Astro snipers, and like a two-star gin with like perfect... It just had so many good snipers. Like this would have won in any other match, but the Vanguards would take no damage. Mm-hmm. Like so it was so funny. They, they would all be like the Jace... Um, Actually, I, I was wrong. I misspoke. They didn't have uh, Leona. They had a uh, three-star Mordekaiser with mm-hmm. D-cap. 
the Mordekaiser never lost his shield. Like he never, he you could never see any health go away. The Jace was smashing front lines and back lines. It was just, it was just so fun to watch. Even though like it sucked that I got knocked out super early by this guy and lost some LP. It was just so fun because I've never seen a beefier front line. It was insane. It was so funny. The Casio wasn't even that strong in this comp. It was just the front line was so huge. It was insane. Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah, I didn't really have a match of the week this week, um, but maybe next week. We'll ne- ne- next week, I-, I had two. I had two for you. Uh, That's fair. Definitely had some goofy ones. So right. let let's move on towards Valorant. Yeah, yeah. Let's do Valorant. We got a couple uh, a couple points. Last year, we got Valorant and Legends of Runeterra both coming out. Um, Valorant with its official uh, rated, and then Legends of Runeterra with a new ranked patch, so it's ranked reset. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Valorant first. Um, so patch 1.02 just was released yesterday, and ranked is supposed to come out very shortly after. Well, um, they're still figuring it out. There were very few changes in the update, too. Um, it was pretty much big changes for Viper and then very minor changes for Jet, Reyna, and Brimstone. Um, so I just wanted to actually ask you first if you feel like any of these changes change the tier list that you have at all. Yes. Um, I would actually counter a little bit that the the Jet and reyna changes are more just a phoenix nerf um i would put phoenix down a little bit because the jet changes is blade storm now like her ultimate now refreshes when it kills phoenix during his ult and reyna's was basically you still get the soul orb when Mm -hmm. you kill phoenix during that um and i think before it just wasn't registering because it wasn't a kill you know you're just killing his ult and Both of those basically make Phoenix's ult less useful because mm-hmm. previously you could Phoenix ult and run in like an absolute clown. And if you even if you died right away, you got vision. So it was worth it. But now if you're playing against a Jet or Arena or both and you Phoenix ult and run in and you get Jet's reset and you give Reyna a soul orb to, you know, now get vision on you or heal up. Mm-hmm wasn't really worth it it was actually like would be considered a bad play so now you you have to be more careful about the situations in which you use phoenix ultimate and i think especially Reina's soul orbs right the the one where you you know gain the movement speed i I don't know which one it's called where you gain movement speed and you go like invisible kind of for a second um, Mm -hmm. is would be really good because you, if you kill the phoenix, you can instantly grab it and do that, and then run towards where his spawn was for the ultimate, and get vision of okay, where is he, and then come back, you know, hide behind a corner, and now you, you, you can hold that angle on it. So I actually think these are less buffs for Jet and Reyna, and more just a nerf for Phoenix. So I think he takes a hit there. But uh, other than that, I don't think any of the changes were big enough to change my tier list i just still think viper is not that strong just inherently based off of her abilities but mm-hmm. uh, i mean what, what do you think i think that my tier list also doesn't really change i think i need to see where viper ends up being played um i think that the fragile debuff is really interesting or vulnerable whatever it's actually called in game 
uh, where you take double damage if you've been hit right. by snake bite for like I think it's three or four seconds after you leave snake bite, you still are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is actually going to be a really good stalling tool. So I think it makes Viper a better um, anchor now. So I think you could see Viper a little bit more on maps like Haven with your Sage. Um, and Viper is now a little bit more feasible to anchor a point like C or A, or maybe even B. Um, and your Sage being on one one of the other uh, sites too to also anchor and then you could three stack a site that you think that they're all going to run at um, just because making someone fragile or making a group of people fragile will dissuade them from pushing um, and if you heard them and then were able to land your snake bite on where they were um, you're definitely going to stall a push they're not going to push into you when they could take double damage that means they could get one taps pretty much um, by a assault rifle um just yeah. not even like headshot needed like you could spray their chest and all it takes is two shots yeah um, i think that'll help me out a lot mr bad at headshots <laughs> yep um but other than that i don't think there's big changes um i guess that also buffs her bind because uh bind with all the teleporters and moving around mm-hmm. if you can stall the enemies somewhere on while you're on defense and they're on attack that's also important um so i could see her uh basically anchoring a side with a wall across the map and then being able to throw her snake bites through the teleporter into hookah um so that's something else i can see the interactions i just don't see how it actually buffs her as an agent yet um right. so we'll just have to wait and see I actually think the biggest change is, is the map updates. So basically they made clearing a lot of these angles. Like I can't go through all of them. It's an insane amount that they've changed. Mm-hmm. But they, they've basically made it easier to clear these so that it's, it's, it's easier to play on the attacker side, yeah. um, easier to clear the angles for these things. And I think this is the biggest change because I, even playing very aggressive duelist champions, or sorry, agents, uh, I feel that it's, way easier to play defense you know you 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 could just sit down at these angles and one of the things that i why i succeed when i play is to be honest i'm as i mentioned before i'm not really good at the headshotting yet i'm still trying to get that down i usually get a lot of body shots and then maybe one headshot um the big thing for me is creative angles that i hold that you wouldn't expect so that when they come into clear I have the advantage because I'm looking first. Um, and I, I, I one-trick Omen mainly, and you, you can really use Omen to you know, get the right angle. And I think this change is going to be really good for attackers because when it's yeah. simpler to clear angles, you're, you're going to have to do less trade fragging where one person walks in, dies, and then the other person gets the kill. Um, and I think it's going to make it better for attackers as well because if you're playing with people that you, you're not in comms with, you can feel more confident about what you're doing because a lot of times when you're not in comms, I've noticed my team struggle because we take forever to get to the site because no one wants to be sacrificed. No one wants to enter and get killed and have everyone trade, right? Because everyone wants to do well themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this will help in a lot of different ways and I think it'll make the game a lot more balanced. And I think it's a good attention to detail that they went and changed this on every single map. They changed so many angles. It just shows that they are really working hard you know people might not like everything that they have in the game but i mean 
to go and change all the angles on all the maps like this is just it just shows that they're they're putting a lot of care into this and they really are listening to what the problems are so i like it a lot yeah this definitely makes all of the maps it's definitely a buff to attack side on almost every map um which is good because some people have been saying that it's a little bit defensive heavy um or at least defensive sided um i don't know how true that is there are some compositions that are just really good on attack and then suck mm -hmm. on defense that you can make where there are multiple duelists with a sage for instance and then maybe a controller um so there are definitely comps that you can generate that produce more one-sided outcomes as well. So putting it all on one side is better than another is a little bit big, but this is definitely a buff to attack side. So mm -hmm. just look forward to at least some more aggressive um, agents being picked since attack side already was pretty strong with duelists. Um, mm. I think you're going to see even more four duelists plus sage comps coming out, um, which is my favorite sarcastic comp, uh, <laughs> because normally I'm the designated sage in that comp, even though I play duelists really well. Um, so anyway, um, that that's actually um, a good segue into ranked and rated play. Um, this is just a quick set of tips for going into rated um yep. we both played the beta and i think that it would be good to at least let people know who maybe haven't played the beta before haven't played rated um what it's like so just to give a quick overview you play a couple placement matches um i think it's about five and in those matches you're judged based off of your win and how heavily you win so if it's a 13 to 4 that's a big jump in rating if it's a 13 to 12 that's like almost no change right um and your individual score matters yes. as well if and you, your if, like if you lose 13 to 4 but you were like 12 and 12 you know like 12 and 13 and everyone else on your team was just trash you will still get the boost and that's what i like right it's not yeah. punishing you for your teammates because i think that's a lot of the problem people have in league of legends is you could go into game and your whole team could throw and you could be like 20 and whatever and your team could throw and you could lose and you'll lose lp like you'll go down in the standings and mm -hmm. that's what i like about valorant is because of individual scores they can kind of you know adjust for that yeah but it's only for your intro games so understand that your kda matters most in your first i guess it's probably actually 50 games but it'll matter the most, like absolutely the most in your placements. So right. what they've basically said is your individual skill matters more for your first games. And then once they get a feel for how you play, wins matter more. So mm -hmm. the first few games that you play, your KD is going to determine a lot more of where you're placed rather than anything else. So um, in order to actually climb faster, one of the better things to do is to pick up one or two duelists and just main them, uh, play a few games of unrated as them and get really good at them, and then hop into ranked with them, um, or just one trick. So if you're one tricking a singular agent, that means you're really, really good at them. Um, it's a little bit riskier because there's only like 11 agents. So the chances of someone else playing that agent is actually kind of high. It's about what? That's like 9%. 
if it's just yeah red. well and if you pick a popular agent right like people are yeah. less likely to main viper and pick viper away from you than they are you know sage or you know like one that i see a lot is raise everybody loves to play raise and Phoenix. right right so like for me my what i would consider my one trick is breach but right now what i've been playing is breach raise brimstone and uh reina um basically have a pool to work through um but if you're one tricking it's a little bit riskier just letting you know at the front but um it could be more rewarding because you know everything about that agent um as opposed to people who just play every single agent and only really know them a little bit um the use of your abilities in this game is pretty on par with overwatch and apex legends in that it's very impactful so you do need to know how they work and be able to have some skill expression with each individual agent's abilities in order to actually play the game at its fullest potential. Um, right. So that's why I have a pool of just four agents right now. I can also play Sage if I have to, but um, I think the Sage nerfs that have been coming through have actually been making her one of the hardest agents to play, um, which I don't think is that good for the game right now. But I think that it was necessary because. She's the only person who can heal other agents, so she kind of had to retain that and lose everything else. Um, right, once so they add another healer in, it'll balance more. Yeah, then it'll start to balance out. They can start rebuffing her um, because what she's supposed to be is the best anchor in the game. Like, in my opinion, the way that I see her kit, she's supposed to be the best anchor in the game. They've even said she's meant to be a staller agent. She's like Cypher, but she's better than Cypher. Um, because she has this heal added on top of it. Right. Um, so right now, since she's the only healer, they have to keep that aspect and they've been nerfing all of her stalling, which has made Cypher the better staller, but he's still not the best because all his stuff can basically be destroyed and his cyber cage doesn't slow anymore. So you just walk through it. Um, so really Sage is still the best staller, but she's really hard to play and if you're on attack side um at least what i've found if you're in lower rated games your duelists aren't going to peak first because they don't know how to play and if you're the sage and you get picked off the rest of your team's kind of boned yeah um, refuse to peak first if you're sage make, make yeah. the teammates do it yeah so um i don't like playing sage anymore just because of the fact that normally i'm the person who peaks first and that's mm. why i like playing duelists or initiators uh like breach um or i'm the one who's setting up and execute so that's why i like playing brimstone because he's the easiest controller to play like i'm definitely not a controller player but i know where good smokes are so that's why i picked him up so if you want to go down my route i i have a pool of champions that i play or a pool of agents that i know pretty well um and i'm going to be leaning more towards playing razor reina but if we need somebody else i can play brimstone or breach and reluctantly uh, sage um or if you want to go down a little bit more of vincent's route um he's basically one tricking omen but he's really fucking good at it um so that's kind of where we're at also um, there's no difference between solo queue and team so make sure that in your first games play with as many of your friends as you can um that are around your same skill level because you'll actually win more games just having the better communication right Um, and I wanted to cover that a little bit. And, yeah. and yes, uh, definitely. So I'm more of a one trick. What I would say is it's pretty easy given that I don't want to play like a ton and learn all these champions. If you're a one trick, always have a backup that 
like make your secondary someone that you know kind of no one wants to play so like for me my secondary is sage so if i get if someone takes omen or everyone refuses to take sage i will practice sage and like try to get better at sage because no one's probably going to first pick the sage and take it away from me and then it's more of a team play right so i can just kind of sit back and let them do the work and put out the heels um i think the biggest thing about sage is knowing when to wall properly uh so if you're going to one trick don't make your secondary another popular champ right don't make don't you know main you know uh, i guess raise and then secondary reina you know yeah. because those are both very popular and they're going to get taken right and then you're going to get stuck on some third that you don't know at all right pick a secondary like you know maybe cypher or a sage that that people are less interested in playing uh even sova like to be honest i know it's popular in pro play but a lot of people don't like playing it in individual games and then i really like what you brought how you started to bring up comms jack i wanted to talk about that for a minute because mm -hmm. i think given that this is a voice chat game people will get frustrated and express their frustration and some people are not very nice about it and you can definitely mute them but my yeah. tips i like have i think there's a, the best way to do it is to whether you use your mic or type because i know not everybody can use a mic if you can use a mic try to whenever you die try to say where you died from and, and mm -hmm. give that information because if you give no information and don't communicate with your team at all people are going to get frustrated but a problem i see a lot of people have is they'll get killed and then they try to speculate about people that they didn't see yeah. so unless you're sure you saw someone don't make a call because if you call that someone somewhere that you think they might be and they're actually not and your teammate gets killed i've died several times because i've listened to someone say oh, I saw all of them on B because they saw a bunch of people B, but they just say all. So then I rush A and someone kills me because they're holding a the corner A and they weren't B. And I, I'm, I stay very positive, so I, I don't say anything. Um, but I, a lot of people don't and they'll get really frustrated at that. So what I would say is call what you know for sure. If you miss something, you know, because I've missed something before, right? I've said, oh, I saw you know, three B and then my team enters and kills three and there's a fourth and they get killed. Mm -hmm. And afterwards I say, Oh, sorry, I didn't see that one, you know, or, you know, I say like, nice try, like didn't see that one or didn't see the so, you know, mm -hmm. they're much more like, it's much more positive. Right. Cause, Oh, this guy didn't see the so, what was he supposed to do? You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. you need to have this balance of, you should be trying to communicate with your team. You can type it as well. So don't yeah. don't feel bad if you 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 can't have you don't have access to a mic. Um, you can type it as well. Try to give information. You know, oh, mm -hmm. the, you know, I walked in garage and died. Your teammate doesn't know necessarily where you died from because they're not always staring at the map. You know, say left of garage or yeah. you know window garage. So try to communicate with your team a little bit because you don't want to be the the silent person who, who you you want to help give that information. But don't try to predict stuff. Um, and if you're going to, right, you say, I think, right? Because um, you don't want to trick your teammates. So it's very important to like be in the middle in comms. You don't want to talk too much and say stuff you don't know. And you mm -hmm. also don't want to be silent about it. And I think that's really important because not everyone's going to be a great player. Um, and the easiest way I see people tilt is not when someone's bad. It's when someone's not calming at all or is 
lying in comms. Like, not lying, but overstating. Uh, yeah. Because you will play in games where you're really bad, or you're the carry and someone else is really bad. Uh, everyone has bad games. Everyone's good. It's going to happen to everyone. Um, and I've seen a lot of people, like, I've seen someone get mad at someone for being bad before, and the person was like, sorry, first game, and the person immediately apologized. I mean, everyone's been the bottom fragger before. No one is yeah. not ever bottom fragger, except for, like, maybe Shroud. And if you're <laughs> playing with Shroud and he's, um, you know, abusing you in comms, that's a unique problem that I'm not qualified to help you with, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that applies to anyone. So, you know, everyone can be understanding of, of people when they bottom frag. Like, I went 4-16 and 16 on Sage in a game the other day, which is very uncharacteristic. I don't usually do that bad. Um, but as long as you're using your abilities to help your team as best you can, you know, no, no one flamed me for going four and sixteen, even though that was mm -hmm. really bad. Um, and I had a guy go one in eleven in a game that I was carrying as Omen, and I wasn't flaming him, you know. So I think yeah. the biggest thing is just to try to stay, stay, stay in comms, um, but don't overtalk. Would be yeah. nice, especially for rated, because people care a lot more about where people are in rated and, and talking in rated versus unrated. Yeah, I completely agree. Um... I think communication is definitely the most important, at least team play aspect of the game. Um, you need to be able to effectively and quickly communicate where you saw the enemies. Um, so like I've taken it upon myself to like, I'm someone who's always watched the minimap a lot because I come from league. Uh, I know mm -hmm. that some FPS players just focus intensely on their crosshair and what they're going to do. Um, but I'm someone who always glances at the minimap, which is actually a habit I have to get over because sometimes I've missed clicking heads because of that. So I have to figure out when the best times Same. are. Same. <laughs> um, but uh, whenever I see something on the minimap, like a red question mark, I'll call it out for the team. So like that's kind of how I act as a player is I'm a little bit more supportive with the comms and I make sure that people know where the enemies are. I'm also someone who's a little bit more inclined to peak, which is why I play duelists and initiators. So I'm someone who likes to, even on defense, go out and get information about where the enemies are proactively rather than waiting. Um, so like on bind, I constantly peek out into middle from hookah. Like I'm the person who takes their knife out and just really quickly peeks down the lane to see who's there. Mm -hmm. um and a lot of times it actually nets us a lot because in pistol rounds i can see the enemies before they show up and i can be like hey there's four rushing up mid everybody rotate b because we're about to have a gunfight in hookah um mm -hmm. so a lot of times like getting that information and communicating it effectively is really really what will end up turning your games um from at least stomps to close <laughs> if you're losing or if it's already a close game that can be something that turns the tide to you winning um so just make sure that you're communicating that's i think the biggest thing and we've hammered that home pretty well yeah um, and i would say the last thing is try to keep a um open mind uh yeah. like for example in a, a game i was playing the other day I'm forgetting the name of the map. I'm really blanking. Um, it's the one with the teleporter in the middle, and yeah. there's just A and B side. Bind. Bind, right. So we were. I was playing Bind, and I think, Jack, you might have been in this game. But there was this jet on the other team just with this operator absolutely destroying us. A, oh, every yeah. Time, uh, when we were on a tagging side, just every time. She would be in heaven, and she would just pop everybody. Like, we could rush, and, like, eight people shoot at her. She would just kill them all. 
Um, not eight because we don't have eight, like five. Uh, so we, d- we decided, you know what, we better just start going B and we were going B a lot, a ton of times in a row and getting some success, a lot of success and coming back in the game. And one of the times we went B, we got two frags, but then we got stalled out. Right. And we made a lot of noise over there. And, uh, someone called the rotation to go back to a, uh, because you know, we didn't want to die at B. There's no way the jet shouldn't have rotated to B. Like, we all thought, there's no way the Jets stupid enough to stay A, right? So that's mm-hmm. why the rotation got called. We rotated. And sure enough, the instant I turn the corner um, on A, the Jet pops me with an operator. And the, I had the spike. And right, the, my last uh, teammate couldn't, like, had to fight the Jet and got opt again. And sometimes the other team's going to do stuff that doesn't seem to make sense, you know? Even when you're doing the right play, like making the right rotation, it'll fail because, you know, people are unpredictable and sometimes people will just hit the headshots, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll be a 4v1 and that one person is just going to head tap everybody and have their moment, you know? So you, you got to keep positive. Right? You, I, I was like, ah, oh, shoot, we shouldn't have gone A. But that's not the first fault of the person who called it because it was the right call. It just didn't work out. You know, sometimes it's not going to work out. And I think the biggest thing is to try to stay positive. Uh, during that situation because yeah when you start getting negative with your team it's like really hard because for me if people start getting really negative or really annoying like i had some middle schoolers in my game the other day that were like screaming at me the whole time like mostly positive stuff but just screaming into my mic i muted them and now i can't hear their calls at all so i don't know what's going on um mm-hmm. so i think it's really important to stay positive and sometimes when you make the right play it won't work out um and that's okay and you need to be like wary that sometimes your teammates going to be guarding you while you defuse because there's only one left and they're going to get beat in a gunfight they shouldn't have lost you know what i'm saying uh yeah sometimes it happens and it sucks uh and you know i'm pretty sure your teammate knows what they messed up um or maybe you did everything right and it just didn't work out i really want to stress staying positive uh because i think it's really important because you can really come back from 12 to 0 if you want to once you start getting uh econ back you can come back from any number because then the other team like really can't contest you until every once every like third round. You know what I'm saying? So I think yeah. it's really important to stay positive. And I know I've said it over and over and over again in this podcast, but I just want to stress it more. Mm-hmm. Stay positive. Yeah, I completely agree. And like, even just as an example, I've come back from a 10 to two start where we won 12 to 11. Right. So like it, it's, or 13 to 11. So it's like very possible. Uh, this game is very momentum based. So making sure that you still have a positive mindset can just lead you to more round wins. And the closer that you can make your rated games, just going back to competitive a little bit, uh, the better it's going to be for your rating. Um, so never give up. Like you can almost think about it as TFT. Like if you just have a terrible team and you're staying positive and you're like all right maybe we won't win but let's see how many rounds we can get off these guys like um even just coming at it from that perspective could at least give you a better uh rating than you otherwise would have gotten Um, yeah and you can still have fun like i was in a game the other day where we were playing against what was definitely some sort of smurf um because (laughs) this person was just one tapping everybody in the head it was insane Mm -hmm. um and we were playing split and you know one time we were like you know what we all have like one person had i think two had specters and everyone else had pistols we were just we were getting absolutely demolished it was like 11 to 1 and we're like you know let's just rush a just blindly rush a and we did it and it came down to this one guy versus like 
the guy who was like one tap and the guy got the kill and we all went in comms and we're like hyping him up like i mean it's, it's still worth having fun and enjoying the game even if you're getting demolished because sometimes you will be against a smurf and you yeah. and your teammates will just have a bad game um so you can still enjoy it yeah all right. Um, so to wrap up Valorant, uh, this is an esports podcast. So I wanted to really quickly talk about the teams who are coming out of uh, the gate and that are like actually created and doing all right. Um, so I went through some of the uh, like Valorant wikis and uh, through some of the tournaments and tried to track how teams are doing in regards to tournaments since the actual launch of Valorant. So these are not beta games. These are only um, only Valorant post like patch 1.0 tournament right. games. Um, so TSM with all of their players now actually have four first place finishes in five tournaments that they've played. They're, and they're the in the tournament that they played, they got fifth. Um, so, and that was out of, I think that was the only tournament that they played that had 32 uh, contestants. So right now TSM is looking like the number one Valorant team in NA um it's like really hard to say that anyone's even coming close um the closest match that they've had so far in first it was up against gen g in the clg blitz cup that was the best of three actually got first place in the tournament the tsm got fifth um which was like the pittsburgh knights cup or something like that Mm -hmm. um and gen g otherwise has gotten a lot of fourth place or eighth place finishes they're also looking like a pretty good team so someone else to keep track of. Um, we haven't seen a lot of SKT T1's NA team, but they definitely have the best roster in terms of ex-pros from CSGO before. Um, I think Brax is probably one of the best players in Valorant right now, besides yeah. maybe Shroud even. Um, so just because of that, they have a huge is advantage. Is Shroud on the team, or is he just streaming? He's just streaming, uh, right? Right now he's just streaming. Um, yeah. I don't know if he's on a team. But um, he's making too much money streaming. I guess now that Mixer is dead, maybe he'll go pro. Yeah, maybe he will actually. Um, but T1, um, they got second place in one tournament, and that was the one um, that. Or no, yeah, they got second place in one tournament. That was not the one that they played against TSM. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was a beta. That was a beta match, um, and that was also Twitch Rivals, I believe. It was Twitch Rivals, yeah. Yeah. That Most was the people one that didn't have their full roster there, so yeah, yeah, that was the one that um, T1 won, um, mm-hmm. and then they got second place in a different title, and then they haven't really been playing in that many tournaments. So hopefully we'll see them up soon. And then Cloud Nine, they've gotten two second place finishes, and then other than that, they've been doing like pretty middle of the pack. Um, but actually, their team looks really good. So they've got their captained by Tenzi, who's a really good opper and just a really good all-around Valorant player, um, but not very educational. So if you're just looking for flashy plays and like entertainment, definitely watch his stream. Otherwise, if you're looking for uh, actual educational material, watch Hiko. Um, I've heard Wardell is pretty good too. Um, He's but, also an opper, so if you if you like that, um, yeah. And then uh, Mendo, Mendo's pretty educational too, and he's on Team Liquid. Team Liquid doesn't have a fully formed team yet, but they do have two really good players. Um, so I'm excited to see where they'll be at as well once the actual. Who, who are, who's their other player? Um, it's Mendo, and then I think they have Flom. I think it's Flom. I gotta take. I a wonder. 
I wonder if they could convince uh, Stewie2Ks like, on Team Liquid's um, CSGO yeah. team. I wonder if they could poach him. Because <laughs> he's got insane aim stuff. Like, they he's could. Like an aim they could. He's actually played on a couple of their games. They have, oh, Poach. Poach is their other guy. It's Mendo. Uh, and- isn't Poach a Fortnite guy? I think he might be. I think he is. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he is. Well, that's. I think that's all there was for the Valorant. There's a lot of tournaments going on right now, so if you want to watch some good stuff, like there's definitely plenty to watch. Um, I would really suggest the CLG Blitz Cup, uh, the mm-hmm. finals, TSM versus Gen G. There's three games there. Uh, TSM won two to one. Spoiler. Um, we kind of talked about that already, but I mean, you, th- those are just such good games. And like in those games, you see Wardell, you see Sub Rosa, you see so many of these TSM players just absolutely mm-hmm. pop off and i think two of those games were on the new map um actually i think it was just one was the final one was on the new map uh tsm semi uh, uh, semi-final was also on the new map so yeah if you go watch that you get to see some of the ang- good angles on the new maps so you yeah. would also learn from that so that'd be good stuff to watch mm-hmm. we're gonna move on to legends of runeterra we talked a lot about legends of runeterra last week so we're going to do like just a really, really brief um, talk about it this week. I haven't played any since last week, so I don't really know. So we're going to let Jack take, take, take this one off the top. Yeah, this one's super short. Um, we just had a new, so ranked reset. Um, so everyone dropped about an average of like eight divisions. So like that includes like tier four to tier one. That's like four divisions. Right. Um, so... Uh, Everyone dropped about eight divisions and we're ranked resetting. So that means that I'm starting back down in iron three. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the climb is back on. Um, but I only started playing ranked like a week ago. So I'm excited for this one. Um, from what I heard from Zach, the changes look to be very balanced and less uh, coin flippy um, in his own words. Mm-hmm. Um so Bilgewater was nerfed for, uh, to do this nab mechanic where it draws from the bottom of the deck instead of the top, which is a lot more fair and balanced. Um, it still doesn't grab champions either. So um, it's actually working really well. Um, and I think that makes the game a little bit less <laughs> Hearthstone-esque um, yeah. where there's some random chance incorporated. Um, now you still have the same chance, but instead of having the ability to draw things that are like buffing the top of your deck um, or things like deep. Um, it builds water is actually a little bit more balanced and now truly drawing random cards out of the deck, which is nice. Nice. Um, also, Endure got nerfed, which is really good because Endure Spiders is the best comp right now. Um, it has the most plays and has a 57% win rate. So, um, yeah. So for a game that's supposed to be a little bit more 50 50 for most comps um this deck was obviously outperforming everything um so it definitely got a well-deserved nerf um poros and freljord were both buffed um the uncommon freljord champions were buffed so braum was actually given a pretty big buff Sweet, that's probably given a pretty small one um and then poros all around were made easier to use and splash in a deck so you could probably do something zach and i were actually talking about talking about it last night we think that poro ionia could be really interesting um, wait that's what poro, i play yeah or poro bilgewater um that might actually be a tier um this patch 
Um, we still Send think me. Tempo, Tempo Sejuani is going to be S tier. Um, we don't know how indoor, how big the indoor nerf is going to be, if it's mm -hmm. going to bring it down to A or B tier. Um, and Nexus Rush is still a thing. Um, and scouts have been, some of the scout champions have been adjusted a little bit. So scouts could move up to S tier from A tier. We don't know. Um, and Freljord got buffed. So anything having to do with Freljord is better. So automatically Ash Sedge midrange is a better A tier. I don't know if it'll be S tier. And Tempo Sejuani is um, also still going to be S tier. Um, okay. So the the only difference is they didn't really touch Nexus Rush. So if you're playing a Nexus Rush deck, you can keep playing it, but just know that I don't like you, um, <laughs> I because I don't like it's, you. it's 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 very frustrating to play against because you feel like you have no counterplay unless you're playing a spell heavy deck where you're able to deny or counter a lot of the damage that's coming towards you. Um, so playing Nexus Rush is actually good to do in early ranks. That's mm -hmm. why I'm seeing it so much. Um, but mid-range decks are actually working decently well against it. So it's frustrating to play against, but if you get over your frustrations and think about how you can stall the game to mid, um, you generally win if you get to stage uh, to round eight and beyond. Nice. Um, yeah, send me the uh, Ionia Freljord deck because that's, yeah, that's actually, normally what I run. I'm just not great at it. Yeah, Zach and I, Zach and I are going to try to build it uh, today because the patch just launched uh, an hour and a half ago. Um, Sweet. So, so send it my way. Yeah, we'll we'll be working on it. Um, but that that does it for Legends of Runeterra. Um, apparently, this is the most balanced it's been since Bilgewater has been incorporated. Um, so that's good to hear, at least for the professional scene, if that's going to start coming up. Um, and it's all exciting. I'm excited for next week in the LCS. Um, so the games that I have to watch are actually the first four games of next week. Um, so they're FlyQuest and CLG on Friday, TL and C9 on Friday, and then CLG 100T and TSM EG. I think that these are all the best games, and they're the first four games of the week. Um, the GG FlyQuest game at the end of Sunday might also be promising. Um, mm -hmm. It'd be a pretty close game. But uh, those are my games to watch, at least for this week. Yeah, for, for me, it's, the, um, it's definitely the... Liquid Cloud Nine and the TSM EG are, are are my top ones to look out for. I actually think Hundred Thieves CLG is going to be very interesting to see because I think mm -hmm. they're actually like as we talked about earlier, really similar teams. They just had different, you know, very differing schedules. Um, you know, teams that sh you should look to do good this week that matters a lot for them is GG because they play Immortals and then FlyQuest. So picking up a 2-0 here to make them go 3-3 three and three would be absolutely huge. So important if they can get that. Um, and another team that has a big week is TSM. They play 100 Thieves, who's right below them in the standings, so trying to catch up. And they play Evil Geniuses, who is at the top. So, you know, if TSM 2-0s, it probably means, you know, we're going to start seeing that TSM we've always want, wanted to see. Um, but if they go 0-2, then they're down into that 7th, 8th spot rather than top 6. So... Mm -hmm. It's a big swing for them either direction. Yeah, and the only other one to really pay attention to is actually CLG. CLG is playing 100T. CLG is playing FlyQuest. Um, if they can beat, if they can go 2-0 again, maybe they are a top four team. We'll see. Yeah, so that that's a real uh, gut check for them coming up. I know. 
All right. All right. Uh, we covered a lot in this episode, but I think that we're done. Yeah, long, long, long one. Uh, thanks for listening to it all, listening all the way through. Um, we actually, before we end, we have one Twitter question. Oh yes, from last right. week. So, in in case you didn't know, we have a Twitter. Please follow it. Um, we tweet uh, basically when our episodes come out, but more importantly, every week we tweet out. You know, give us some questions uh, that you want us to answer. And we actually got a tw- uh, a reply. So the, this question was asked by Alfie uh, at Alfred T. Flavor Flavier. I probably butchered that. Sorry, Alfie. Um, but he asks, are there any fun exploits for ADCs in today's meta? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack, why don't we cover that as an AD carry player? Yeah. So right now the AD meta is kind of a meme just because like you've seen the video with Sneaky and Cassidy. Like y- you know that ADs are pretty weak right now. Um, I think that the cheekiest thing that you can do uh, in order to like be impactful as an AD is play some of the meta ADs. So right now I think top of meta are Varus, Aphelios, and Ezreal are like doing the best in solo queue. Um, main one of them and know how to play the other two because you don't want to get banned out and you don't want to get picked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all you want to do in team fights is, so you're not actually your main source of damage anymore because that's your solo laners. They're going to have two levels on you like by the time team fights and all of that's happening. What you're going to do is you're going to step a little bit too far forward, kind of like Wild Turtle does. And then you're going to bait out as many spells on you as possible. And then you're going to flash away <laughs> because that's, that's your job as an ADC at this point in the meta is your job is to make them blow as much on you as possible so that it's not used on the rest of your team. Um, and then at that point, you just consistently deal damage to the front line. Um, so like, you know, if you're trying to get some cheeky wins there, um, build either a lot of crit or for your third item, you should build um, armor penetration and just try to kill the front line. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Because the rest of your team's job is to kill everything else. Okay, well, that's that's a nice one. Thank you for the Twitter question, by the way. Um, you know, I know the dive does Twitter questions, but the dive answers like maybe be like uh, such a small percentage of them. We will answer your Twitter questions. Definitely tweet at us. And actually, uh, before we end here, I have to bring up one more thing that I was just on our Twitter and saw is they're in development for Pokemon Unite. Jack, I want you to Google this right now. Okay. It's Pokemon League of Legends. Uh, I'm looking at it. It's a League of Legends map. Their abilities, it is literally Pokemon League of Legends. I, there's no other way to explain it. That's oh. literally what it is. Um, it's the Pokemon that you know and love, but they have abilities. They're on a League of Legends map. There's leveling. It's Oh, my God. It, it is Pokemon League of Legends. It, it sounds like, like, oh, it's probably different. No, I'm not kidding you. It is literally Pokemon League of Legends. No, uh, it is. Uh, actually, this looks Pokemon a lot Unite. like Heroes of the Storm, if any of you played that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. I see people playing it in the thing on the Switch, but also on their phones. Um, maybe it'll come out to PC, but probably not. It's probably going to be a mobile thing, it looks like. But um, that's that's exciting. I think a lot of people love Pokemon, and a lot of people love League of Legends. So that's, that's a great mashup there. Um, so that, that'll be exciting to see <clears throat> go into development and come out. So... 
uh, that's an exciting way to end today's episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it is. Um, all right. Well, I think that does it for us. Thank you all for listening. Um, and join us next week where we'll talk about more LCS stuff. Yeah, see you next week. And please keep listening. I know League of Legends and the LCS is now not as important now that there is Pokemon League of Legends. But I promise you, that's not out yet. You need to keep listening, you need to keep watching the games, and you need to keep checking out Small Talk Big Brain. See you next week. See you next week.